morning and welcome to Covenant Church. We're glad that you are with us, whether you're here in the sanctuary this morning or online. If you are here in the sanctuary uh, and you're seated on the outside of a row, you will find an envelope there. If you would please pass the envelope toward the middle aisle. In the envelope, you will find uh, a couple of things. First, there are visitors cards and then celebration and concern cards. Uh, we ask that if you are visiting with us today, you please fill out a visitor's card so we can um, welcome you a little bit later. The celebration and concern cards are a way for us to know of any prayer requests that you might have. So please fill those out and then place the filled out cards in the offering plate later in the service. Thank you. A reading from the book of Isaiah, beginning at the 62nd chapter, the first verse. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her vindication shines out like the dawn and her salvation like a burning torch. The nations shall see your vindication and all the kings your glory. And you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no longer be termed forsaken and your land shall no more be called desolate. But ye shall be called my delight is in her and your land married. For the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. For as young people marry, so shall your builder marry you. And as the young people rejoice, so shall your God rejoice over you. These are our sacred stories. Thanks be to God. God promises a new name and a new way of being. As we read this morning from Isaiah, you shall no longer be termed forsaken, and your land shall no more be called desolate, but you shall be called my delight. These are promises to those who've returned from exile, promises to a people who know what it is to be forsaken and desolate. But this morning, as I think of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., I must acknowledge that it is not only God who might change your name, who might call you something new, who might try to give you a new identity. At the time of Dr. King's death, he was in no way admired by most Americans. As Ibram X. Kendi notes in his article, The Second Assassination of Martin Luther King Jr., King's nightmare of racism is being presented as his dream. He notes almost a third of Americans polled in April of 1968 felt that King himself was to blame for his assassination, felt that he had brought it upon himself. Kendi continues, when King was killed, he was one of the most hated people in the United States. 
nearly half of black Americans and three quarters of white Americans disapproved of him when he stepped out onto that balcony. Death threats were a fact of his life. We forget that King was hated. We forget it in these days, now that every city has a street named for him, now that we have a day free from school and work in his honor, now that we can see a towering statue of him in Washington, D.C. We forget that King was hated when his words are used, misused, quoted, and misquoted. In excruciating irony, King is now used as a rally point by the groups who so hated him while he lived. We forget that King was hated. And in our forgetting, the dream that he worked and died for remains only a dream. Racism, militarism, and materialism continue to plague us. Many in these days seek to use King's dream as a counter specifically to critical race theory. In case you've not heard anyone do this, consider Josh Mandel. On his Twitter feed, he describes himself this way. First statewide official in Ohio to support Trump. Pro-God, pro-gun, pro-Bitcoin, fighting to protect the Judeo-Christian bedrock of America. Josh Mandel said to a gathered crowd, what the liberals are doing by advancing the cause of critical race theory, they're stomping on the grave of Martin Luther King. He continued, Martin Luther King once said that he had a dream that his grandkids would be judged not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. But what you have going on in the government schools by these liberals and in the media, by the secular left, by the radical left, they're trying to make everything about skin color. Or here's another example. Texas State Senator Brian Hughes, who said in July that he was aggrieved by educators teaching the inverse of what Dr. King taught us. This same legislator passed a bill weeks earlier that would have removed King's I Have a Dream speech and letter from Birmingham jail from the Texas state curriculum. So let's be clear about King's dream. On July 4th, 1965, in a sermon delivered at Ebenezer Baptist Church, Atlanta, Georgia, King proclaimed, about two years ago now, I stood with many of you who stood there in person and all of you who were there in spirit before the Lincoln Monument in Washington. As I came to the end of my speech there, I tried to tell the nation about a dream I had. I must confess to you this morning that since that sweltering August afternoon in 1963, my dream has often turned into a nightmare. I've seen it shattered. I saw it shattered one night on Highway 80 in Alabama when Mrs. Viola Louise was shot down. I had a nightmare and I saw my dream shattered one night in Marion, Alabama, when Jimmy Lee Jackson was shot down. 
I saw my dream shattered one night in Selma when Reverend Reed was clubbed to the ground by a vicious racist and later died. The dream has been shattered and I've had my nightmarish experiences, but I tell you this morning, I tell you once more that I haven't lost the faith. I still have a dream that one day all God's children will have food and clothing and material well-being for their bodies, culture and education for their minds and freedom for their spirits. I still have a dream this morning. One day all of God's black children will be respected like God's white children. Two years later, on May 8, 1967, King told an NBC News correspondent, he said, the dream I had in 1963 has at many points turned into a nightmare. Also in 1967, King wrote, whites, it must frankly be said, are not putting in a similar mass effort to re-educate themselves out of their racial ignorance. It is an aspect of their sense of superiority that white people of America believe they have so little to learn. King's dream was not that we would be colorblind. His dream was that racial injustice would be seen, acknowledged, and changed. Reverend William Griffin, an Arkansas Circuit Court judge and pastor, someone I know I heard him preach in an Alliance of Baptist meeting. In his article, The Re-Assassination of Martin Luther King Jr., he writes, the painful truth is that political, commercial, and even religious leaders are comfortable bestowing platitudes on King's life and ministry while actively and deliberately disregarding his warnings and his call for repentance. Our leaders play on, some would say pimp, King's moral authority for their own benefit at every opportunity. In many, in recent years, many voices, as Isaiah says, have not kept silent, have refused to rest. Historians and writers have pinned and shouted and drawn attention to the misappropriation of King, like Michael Harriet, who wrote an article entitled, From Most Hated to American Hero, The Whitewashing of Martin Luther King, Jr. And Christopher Puchella and Justin Gomer, who wrote an article entitled, Reagan Used MLK Day to Undermine Racial Justice. In that article, they say, the holiday was legislated as part of a strategy to defame King and his most radical qualities while co-opting him into the ideology of colorblindness. Or Melanie Schmitz and her article, conservatives keep watering down MLK's message for their own agendas. King is no longer being termed forsaken, no longer called desolate, but it's not God who turned him from one of the most hated Americans 
to someone quoted to support causes that he never would have supported in his life? No, it's not God who's enacted this transformation, this watering down, whitewashing, defanging. It wasn't God who changed his name from Hated. And King certainly is not the first prophet to undergo such a transformation after death. Jesus, too, has been transformed. Transformed by many from a radical Jewish rabbi who welcomes sinners and has harsh words for the religious elite, and to a blue-eyed Christian who excludes and rejects anyone who doesn't listen to focus on the family. Surely this sort of rewriting, whitewashing, misappropriation, surely it's part of the current attack on science and expertise, on sound judgment, on facts, on history, on education. King did not want us to be colorblind. We see color. There's nothing bad or wrong about seeing color. The tones of our skin are beautiful and part of the amazing diversity of the image of God. And if we do not see color, then we cannot see racism. And we must, we must see the racism that plagues our country, our world. We must because the time is now ours. We must refuse to keep silent, refuse to rest. We need to note who is changing names and identities. Is it God? Is it an agenda? I think again of that radical rabbi who was so hated in his own time that the crowds shouted, give us Barabbas. And then only minutes later, the same crowd shouted, crucify him. Before Jesus' death in one of his most famous sermons, he said, Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. These words have meant more to me in these days than they ever have before. Perhaps we are blessed when we are reviled, because then at least our messages have not been manipulated, not been made easy. So what then shall we do? We make sure that this King Day and each day after that we are truth tellers that we are sitting with the challenges that King issued, the demands for change, and we're making the necessary alterations in our lives such that justice might finally reign in our land and God will at last, at last be able to call us my delight. Amen.